You're listening to the God-Centered Mom Podcast with me, Heather McFadden. As the mom to four young boys, I know motherhood's hard, but sometimes I think I make it even harder than it needs to be. I'll worry about my needs being met or I'll spend so much energy trying to make my boys happy that I forget that if I would take my eyes off me and my eyes off my kids and keep my eyes on God, that those desires would grow strangely dim and their contentment would go up as I'm led by his spirit. I also forget that I'm surrounded by God. He is going before me in places that I'm fearful of. He is walking with me on the hard days and he's coming behind me, redeeming any mistake I made. So each week I'll interview a new guest and we'll discuss what it means to be a God-centered mom. Thanks for listening. You're listening to episode 47, and today we're chatting about marriage. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, when I met my husband, I fell pretty head over heels in love with him. I was just so excited. There was just constant joy and laughter. And, you know, even on our wedding day, people just kept talking about how excited they were about the ministry we would share together, how individually we had so many gifts and talents, and our spiritual legacy with our parents was so great. They couldn't wait to see what we did with that. And we did some amazing things. And and then kids came. Not that kids are bad, but it took a toll on our energy level. And then demanding jobs came, and that took a, more of a toll. And we found that our marriage didn't quite have that same synergy as what we called it, that ability to work together for the good of the greater good of those around us. And we were in this negative cycle, this, um, we weren't really churning each other on for each other's best. And we took a weekend away, which I'll talk about later in the podcast. And that weekend away spurred us into a positive cycle again. And we even, you know, shared more about this a couple episodes ago on the podcast. But the couple we went to go visit was Bruce's first cousin. So my husband's first cousin is Rob Bell and his wife, Kristen. And so Bruce's mom and Rob's mom are sisters and and they've grown up together. And, um, you know, we've just shared a lot of history and time with them. And they just kind of took us in on this weekend away. And it was exactly what we needed to kind of turn things around. And they also then gave us, you know, recently their newest book. The Zimzum of Love. And when I read it, I was like, this exactly describes what we just experienced the last couple of years. And I'm pretty confident that we're not alone in this whole impact of children on the joy and the energy of our marriage and how it can feel really dull and mundane and and that some couples may feel alone in it as if they're the only ones who where marriage is hard and that they might give up and say, well, then we shouldn't be married. And my goal in this episode is to help you realize you're not alone. And also that through my conversation with Kristen, Kristen Bell, that that you all would see some ways to re-energize your marriage, to remember that first love and to thrive. And so that your children can benefit that, that God's ministry he has for you through your family and through you as a couple will thrive and just remembering that first love. So let's get into it. We're going to be talking with Kristen Bell about her new book, The Zim Zum of Love. Hey, Kristen, welcome to the God-Centered Mom podcast. Thank you, Heather. I'm happy to be here. 
<laughs> I love having family on. I've already had my mom and my dad and Bruce's mom and now cousins, which is so great. So um, thank you for for hanging with me and chatting about your new book. Yes. I've already enjoyed it. I I took it on a trip with me and read it like in the flight. Just one flight. It was just uh, uh, like soaking it in like a hungry little puppy. It was very, very, very Oh, good. that's great because one of our goals was to make it really um, easy to read. It, You know what? Yeah, it is. And, and yet I felt like I'm like, okay, Heather, you need to stop and really soak this in. So it really goes deep and you really think about it. But I just wanted to see what was next so much that I just couldn't, I couldn't stop. So y'all did such a good job. Now this, was this your first written project or have you done something before? Yes. This is my first written project that has gotten published. Okay. Um, I've worked on some things here or there, but they haven't really come to fruition. Well. I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there before. So you and Rob sat side by side. Was it was it tricky to like coordinate the writing of that or did you feel like it flowed really well or I don't know. How was that experience? Well, I think the hardest thing was um, having the discipline to do it every day. Yeah. Um, and that's a decision that we made that we would meet at nine o'clock and work till one every day, whether we felt like it or not. And um I learned that that's how you actually get something done. Yeah. But um, so yeah, sometimes we sat side by side and it was like pushing a rock up the hill. Like mm. we, there was just no flow. Mm. Um, and then other days there would be this like, wow. At the end of the day, it would be like, wow, I think we, I think we actually created a little something here. Yeah. So um, yeah, there were lots of discouraging days, but that's why I liked working with Rob, who has done this before, because mm. he kept telling me. This is normal. Don't worry about it. You're yes. going to have days where you work the whole time. And then at the end of the day, you're like, I don't think this is right. And the next day you delete it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but he really taught me that it's all part of the process. It's, mm. um, there's a creative process and it takes a lot of, um, patience and discipline and, um, non-attachment to your work. That is, yes, as an artist, any artist, right, has to kind of learn that deletion is not mean failure it's just right it's part of the yeah. process yeah that that's which a prob- really yeah really helpful, really helpful. Yeah, which ahead. probably relates to marriage you know yeah yeah no well, i was thinking like with even moms at the end of the day can feel like wow that was a failure delete can i hit the delete button on that day oh yeah, it, yeah. especially when you're a mom of little kids there are some days where you just feel like i don't think i got a thing done except yeah. you know picking up toys that then you know came out on the floor again yeah yeah, it's a rinse and repeat of motherhood. And then you get to the end and you have one who's in high school looking to college. I mean, you're almost to the end of this. Yes, our oldest just got his driver's license, which oh feels like a milestone. Yes. Yeah. A lot yes. of independence. <laughs> so all those like little, little struggles along the way can build to either a finished product book or, you know, not that your son's done, but, you know, once he's on his own, it's kind of. Yeah, kind of done with the doing the laundry for him, maybe, and the all of the tasks that can wear us down um, on a daily basis as moms. So, yeah, and then yes. mother, and then marriage, because that's what this book is about. If y'all don't um, know the zimzum of of love, a new way of understanding marriage, marriage book, and so marriage can be a lot like that. We can get to the end of our day and be like, "What was that?" <laughs> right. 
Right, but it's it's all of those all of those moments and and what they add up to. And so, can you just define, as since I brought up the title, the name Zimzum? What what is that? Yes, that's the big question. <laughs> What's a Zimzum? Yeah, yeah. Um, Zimzum is um, is what happens in marriage when you create space in your life for another person to thrive while they're doing the same for you. Mm. And what this does is it creates space between you and this space, we describe it as having an energetic flow. Mm. Um, and we, we talk about this energy sometimes when we talk about relationships, like, you know, when you're first together and you feel those butterflies or that surge of electricity that goes through your body. Yeah. But, but even after you've been together for a number of years, um, there are certain times when you feel like your relationship has like a hum to it. It has an energy to it. It fills you with life and joy. And then there are other times where it just um, feels like routine mm. or, um, you know, in the book we we um, talk about sometimes it feels like you've become business partners. Yeah. Like you're just trying to get the kids taken care of, the bills paid, the business, whatever it is, you're just trying to get it all done and you've lost that spark. That yeah. brought you together. So anyway, back to Zimzum. Yeah. Um, it, Rob first came across the word Zimzum. It's a Hebrew word, um, and it's used in the rabbinic tradition to talk about the creation of the world um, in kind of a poetry type way. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the idea was that before before anything existed, all there was was God. And so for something to exist that wasn't God, God had to create space for something to thrive, human beings to thrive. So what God did is God contracted to create this space for for humans to thrive. And so Rob came across this idea, and um, we just started discussing it and thought, you know, that sounds like what happens in marriage, Mm. like when you meet someone and you make this lifelong commitment to them, you are committing to their best while they're committing to your best. And um, we had never heard anyone talk about marriage in the sense that it's about this space between you. And I think we feel it, like you said, when we first fall in love and the whole world just disappears and all we see is that person and we can't wait to reconnect. It's like we're like not whole and, you know, the you complete me kind of line from Jerry Maguire, it's like we, we're not, I know Bruce and I had a lot of long distance dating and even when we were married, he would travel and it was like this aching that you wanted to be together and you, you know, and then when you were, everything just kind of stopped and, you know, I think, but then life happens <laughs> right? and you, and, and I've seen it with friends and I know you have too. And even in my own marriage where it's like, you start to wonder, are, is there something wrong? Because we don't have that that humming anymore? Is there something wrong that we're always about the kids? And, you know, for us, a decade of making children has an impact on a marriage where there's constant needs and I'm either pregnant or nursing um, or someone's not sleeping through the night. And so we're just exhausted physically. And so that humming is like a dull, (laughs) like there's nothing, there's nothing there. And the culture would tell us, well, if you're not happy and there's no humming, then you should get a divorce because that's that's marriage should be happy all the time. But I love that your book gave words to what's actually going on. Right.
Right. And I, th- I think there's also a, an assumption that we've, um, we've come across that people have that like other people have this figured out. And, mm, um, yeah. and so what, no, no one struggles except for me. What, right. What's one. wrong with us. And then it kind of mm. sends you in this downward spiral instead mm. of, um, you know, there's some things that we can do here. There's some ways that we can pay attention to our relationship. There are ways that you can, um, increase the, the flow of love and energy between you. Um, mm. Yeah, I I tell a story in the book about a period of time when we had two young boys and yeah. Rob was working all the time and we went on kind of a work vacation together where he was working, but it was in a nice location. So we decided to come along and um, and I just remember feeling like he was so distant and mm. um, and I was angry in the other room and I was trying, I was turning up the TV cause I was so angry and he was trying to go to sleep and he hadn't said good night. And I had these thoughts like he just, I guess he just doesn't love me anymore, mm, which is such yeah. a, um, which are such dangerous thoughts to attach to because as yeah. it turns out, when we finally started talking about it, which for me took a lot of courage because I was like, what if it's true? What am I going right. to do? I mean, I would yeah. just, I didn't know how I would handle that, but it was like, it was so, um, it was so unbearable for me. I had to bring it up and yeah. I found out that it wasn't my worst fears. It was that he was burned out. He was um, emotionally exhausted and it really was an issue where he needed to get some help. He needed to figure out why he was, um, why he was so driven and, and, um, he was open to, to talking about it. And, um, it just led to all kinds of growth in our marriage, but also in our own individual lives. And just having the ability to say it's not over. It's you, you guys talk about how we're each dynamic people that are growing and learning and developing and, and assuming the best, don't assume the worst that that person just doesn't love me anymore. Consider that they may be going through their own period of growth. And I know that for Bruce and I, and you know, um, we, he's kind of come off and we've shared on the podcast, a really hard season of work where he was working so, 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 so much. And right. Um, I think a year ago, was it a year and a half ago that we came out to California and saw y'all and it was like we were these little wounded birds <laughs> arriving on your doorstep. And you all just helped us, you know, breathe a little life, get sleep, get good food, walk the beach, and start a positive cycle, you know, kind of see like there's more to this world than work. And there's more to the, you know, figuring out, I think men, especially they get on these career paths and they have children and they want to provide and those are good things, but then it can take a life of its own and you almost need, you know, whether it's an outside mentor or a counselor or someone to kind of say, you know, what you're feeling is okay, but your behavior is maybe not, is not helping (laughs) the situation. So we are so thankful to y'all to help our little cycle spin in a positive direction. So Oh, that's great. Yeah, it, it's so important sometimes to hit the pause button 
Yeah. And um, and when you have get, o- get away four kid, yeah. <laughs> four young boys, <laughs> and a busy job, um, yeah, it's really hard to find the time and space to to think about your own relationship. I mean, I think a lot of times that happens in marriage. Um, Everything else seems like it is more important and the marriage will hang on. Um, We'll still be together. But what's interesting is that if you can focus on the marriage first, um, Mm -hmm. there's a joy and energy that comes from that relationship that then gives you, um, it's like it gives you food for the rest of life. It's kind of yeah. like that um, when you're in an airplane and they tell you to put your own mask on first yeah. before helping the yeah. person next to you. Um, yeah. I mean, and even in marriage, you need you need to take care of yourself because there is no healthy marriage without healthy individuals. Um, yeah, I love the line in the book that says, your marriage is only as healthy as your least healthy member. So, you know, there was a season after our fourth when I was having some depression. I needed to get help. You know, we can't. I, we can't function as a unit if I'm not in a place of of health and stability and, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was really a very good point. Um, yeah. And that you need to be thriving. Your soul care that we've talked, we talk about on the show here a lot is what's your thing? Do your thing that your spouse fell in love with, <laughs> you know? Um, so what have y'all, th- what did y'all put in place? Like when you saw that that was the negative cycle, was there some tangible things that you did that someone listening who's feeling that could do? Um, well, I think the first thing is um, is just being honest. Like I think sometimes we think that if we just keep it pushed down, if we just kind of stay in denial and put on the happy face and go through the motions, that it's going to be okay. Mm. But all of that, all of that, affects the space between you. I mean, whatever is reality, um, that really affects the space. And until you can bring it up and talk about it, you're really not going to get past it. Um, and another reason why I think the Zimzum is a powerful metaphor is because I think sometimes we have to pause and go back to our original intention when we got married, which is, I'm here for your thriving. I'm here for your best and you're here for mine. And I think sometimes we just need to um, sit down and look each other in the eye and remember um, just that love that brought us together and that willingness to do whatever it takes for this other person because of the love you have for them. Mm. That's really good because it can feel like everyone's kind of driven by their own interests, right? I'm going to work on this project over here and you're working on that project and we have the kids in the middle, but really we're going two different directions. And you can forget that in order for me to thrive in my project, I kind of need to turn towards you and help you grow in whatever you're seeing as your project. Yeah, and I think what we all deep down really want is someone – to love us and be there for us. Um, mm. I mean, it's part of, it's part of, it's not good to be alone. You know, it's, mm. that's, we want someone who's for us and mm. it's easy in marriage yet yeah, to feel like we're each looking out for our own interests. Yeah. Um, and I've got to protect my interests because what if, um, what if I don't get this thing? 
But yeah. the beautiful thing that happens when there's a zimzum is that you can let go of of protecting your thing because that uh, because you truly believe that that other person wants the best for you. They want you mm-hmm. to have the things that bring you joy. They want you to have a fulfilling life. They want you to grow as a person and and be your you know grow into your best self. And what do you do? Like I know I've I have friends whose husbands. It just appears that they really they have no interest in their wives thriving. I mean, what what would be a way to help them, you know, if they really feel like their husband has just turned away and is not pursuing the first love? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I think um, I think it starts with a conversation. Um, yeah. I mean, again, just getting getting reality out on the table because yeah. um, you can you can pretend and you can limp along, but it's not, it's not, it's not the fullness of life that, Mm. that I think God would have us have. And we talk in the book about how sometimes a disruption is the best thing for a marriage. And like that time that I was talking about in California, that conversation was a disruption for us Mm. because I because I said, this isn't working for me. I can't, I can't do this. I'm dying on the inside. Yeah. Um, and sometimes a disruption is what leads you to get help and healing and a, a change. Sometimes a disruption might make things worse, but um, I always say I would rather deal with reality. <laughs> yeah. So if they feel their husband is just turned off, and not for them, that maybe just having that conversation, they would discover that they are, but, but they just need to put words to it. And, and you, I feel like this book gives language for things. A lot of things marriages go through a lot of, you may go in and out of these cycles that y'all talk about in the book, but it's simple enough for a husband to read and it gives language to what's going on so that you can talk about, you know, how is the quality of the space between us? I'm feeling like there's too much distance. I'm feeling like um, we're not both contracting here. Not that you need to keep a scorecard. You do talk, talk about that. That's the tricky part, right? It can feel like, well, I'm the only one zimzumming here. You <laughs> right. know, like this isn't fair. If only we were like the bells. They're both zimzumming and they're awesome. You know, um, the dangers in that, right? Yeah, and it, yeah, and it's not about perfection; it's about direction. Oh, that's a so, good line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's about it's really about. I mean, when the two of you zimzummed, you started creating something, and you get you get to keep creating this relationship, mm. and so um, so it's about two people figuring it out together, and. We do talk in the book about how um, fights are natural and normal, yeah. and they, they can pull you apart, but they can also draw you together. Yeah. And um, and so there are ways to bring this stuff up and to talk about it that don't make the other person defensive mm. um, and shut down. Mm. Um, we talk about there's actually certain parts of your brain that when you feel threatened yeah. um, or afraid, afraid yeah. 
yeah, there's like a, a, a primitive part of your brain that's activated. It's like the fight or flight. Yeah. And those kind of fights are never productive. Yeah. Um, and so there's kind of an art to disagreeing or fighting well, like to, to stay in that loving, compassionate, um, kind of remembering you're on the same team, you're on the same team. Like if you're saying let's fight so that our conclusion is the best for our team, it keeps you in a cooperative state of mind instead of a defensive offensive. Is that what you're saying? Kind of. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're on the same team. We're figuring this thing out. Um, we may try things that don't work, but it's all about, it's all about the journey. Like you get to go on this adventure called marriage together. Mm -hmm. And I loved, I loved how y'all kind of said, you know, these bachelorette parties and these, these getaways people are taking on kind of tell us what society thinks of marriage. Like here's your last fun thing you're ever going to do. Right. Live it up up before you get married. And I loved the stories you shared, you know, of little adventures you've had since marriage, because we have those, my husband and I have those. And I was flipping through pictures. I told you this, like I was flipping through pictures and um, my parents were coming in town. I wanted to have a picture. I don't know of them with the grandkids in their room. And so I was going through like stacks of old pictures and I found all these ones from Bruce and I on different trips and I and this was even before I'd read that part of the the book but the emotions that came back when I flipped through those pictures or just seeing how we were hugging each other and smiling so big and that shared experience is what you guys call it like it really revived something in me that couldn't wait for him to get home oh and I think that if you're if you're feeling that space expand, take a second and look back at your honeymoon pics, your your travel since, and maybe re- tell a funny story. Our boys loved when we went would put them to bed. For there was a season where they'd say, "Tell us a story when you were little. Tell us a story when you were first married." Little things, telling those stories kind of revives that. I don't know in us. Yeah. Yeah, we, we talk about how the, the space is exclusive between oh, yeah, you. Like yeah. it doesn't exist anywhere else in the universe. And when you have shared experiences, it strengthens that bond that you have. or mm. it strength, You can strengthen the space by your own shared experiences, even if it's like an inside joke or a movie that you both love. Like all of those things um, bring energy to your relationship. You know why? That must be why. I'm just realizing this right now. We have our goal for 2014 was to watch more TV. And not most people's <laughs> normal goal, but ours. Right, right. Because it's when we the opposite, right? Yeah, but when we have like a show, like a thing that we're watching together, I feel like our marriage is better. Like we watched Sherlock recently and like we just did crammed it in and it was so awesome. And we were laughing more outside of even watching the show and we'd talk about it during the day, you know. I, I think that even that, like you're saying, a joke or a thing that you're doing together or that's what it was like when you were dating and you were yeah. friends and laughing and having fun and and then life gets full and that's one of the first things to go. Yeah. Um yeah. we do have a a a part of the book where we say, you know, lots of people talk about working at their marriage, which mm. is important, but it's also important to play at your marriage. Mm. And we wrote that because 
this is a this is sometimes marriage can be such a heavy topic like oh it's hard and 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 that that can be true but i think if we can lighten up about it yeah like like we're we're in this together we're trying things we're i mean who imagined that we would have these kids and this life and there's kind of a a playfulness about it that can be really helpful i think sometimes it can get us out of that um that downward spiral of things being heavy and hard. Yeah. No, that's a really good word. And I, I liked how y'all talked about kind of protecting it too, because it's exclusive and how um, some people kind of give it away and kind of allow other people in there. Right. um, By sharing too much. And then with having Rob kind of be in the spotlight and a lot of people knowing him and seeing him, how do y'all kind of protect that space so that it's exclusive? to you. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, we, we're just intentional about it. Like there's a time and a place for sharing things. Like we shared personal stories in the book. Um, but I think you just have to think it through, Mm. um, and, and talk about it. And we definitely, our culture is shifting towards oversharing yeah. <laughs> um, with, with reality TV shows. And, um, you know, it's always funny to me when people, um, they make their love letters public. Um, but there's a power, when something's shared just between two people, um, there's a power to it. Yeah. That's, that's not as powerful when it's shared with the world. Yeah. Um, it's, part of, I think, making what you have special. Mm. And I think there also needs to be a feeling of safety. Like, um, I need to feel safe that we can have family experiences or, or experiences in our marriage. And I know Rob's not going to be sharing it with his guy friends later. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that that helps you open up and, and, you know, be who you are and not be afraid of taking a risk or, um, well, and, and I, you know, Bruce and I are both extroverts. So, you know, I, we both are like more likely to share stuff out to out to people than treat it as special. And so it was, it was enlightening to me to think that maybe we should or how to do that well. Cause I'm sure there's also another tension that comes when one's an extrovert and one's an introvert. And so one's comfortable kind of everybody knowing everything and another would rather keep that information private and share to the people they would choose to, to share it with. Does that make sense? Uh, oh, it does. And, and sometimes it also is, is affected by what you've grown up with. Right. It's true. Like I grew, I grew up in a family where you don't ever say anything to anybody about your finances. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so if you get married and your spouse doesn't have that same upbringing and they're telling someone what their salary is, right. that can that can create tension in a marriage if yeah. you haven't looked at where those um, ideals and expectations come from. Yeah. I just felt like it brought up a conversation that I'd never really thought to have with Bruce and that is a good one where I think maybe has caused um, – disconnect and a negative cycle to happen in marriages. So I thought that was a really good conversation that couples could be having. 
um, is about how much do they share outside of their marriage. Right, right. And we we address it also like when you have a fight, Mm. it's really important to to keep that between the two of you and not go to your friends and especially if you're in a state of anger. Right, like it hasn't to, been resolved yet. Yeah, yeah. Right, to, to vent about um, about your husband or um, spouse. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, and we do address, there's a time and place for, you know, getting help, having a therapist. Um, there are certain things that need addressing, but I, we can easily slip into oversharing. Yeah, no, I thought it was really... A very good point. And um, I just think that the way you all sum it up too takes it to like the, the spiritual dimension of that we're reflecting the Trinity when we do this well. And we are making the world a better place even beyond our home when we do this well. And it is worth the time and the, and the, the energy into the energy to do it right. well, you know? Um, right. Yeah, when you when you love well, um, that's the nature of love is that it overflows, it spills out onto those around you. I mean, a, a marriage that has that kind of love, it it affects the kids. Yeah, <laughs> and um, which is kind of counterintuitive sometimes as a mom because you 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 know want to put your kids first. Yeah, but really, if you put your marriage first, it's, it's the best thing you can do for your kids. Yeah, and I I mentioned that to you. I was like, okay, when's the zimzum of parenting coming out? Like how right? How this you know how a mom contracts herself, right? She does yeah. to allow space for her child, and there is a unique love relationship going on with her child, and yet you know this whole how does this interact with the spouse? And um, I feel like the complicating factor. <laughs> of young children and and then they go right you're supposed to like cleave from your children so right but you need to keep that zimzumming happening with your husband because that's going to outlast your children being home which right there are many there are many seasons of marriage yes and you have to um you have to figure it out in in each each season because things are going to shift and yeah and um yeah i have a few friends who are starting the empty nest process and it's interesting to watch them because you know life is just completely different mm. when their kids are gone and they're having to talk about what does their marriage look like in this season mm. yeah yeah and and that's why when i read it and i was like this god centered mom community <laughs> needs to hear about this book and have this language to start the positive cycles now and not wait and do damage control later or allow the stress of family to disrupt their marriage um, and their children. I mean, there's so much online, five ways to make a lunch and how to celebrate Christmas and all these things that we're spending energy on to think we're giving our kids the best childhood ever. And if we could take all that time we're spending on Pinterest and <laughs> reading all these blog posts and instead putting on how to how to get my marriage right, I think we would be doing our children a better service than the five ways to pack a lunch, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, it. 
I know. Me, it was I know. Really helpful. It, it was really helpful for me. It so. really is. Um, it really is counterintuitive in a sense because it feels like there's so many things, like really practical things, we can do for our kids, mm-hmm. and all of those things are great. But if the foundation of the family um, is shaky. The kids feel it. I mean, yeah, I, I read some article once that um, looked at the certain hormone in kids, and they could tell when they went to school that I don't remember how they did this to kids. Doing research on kids is always tricky to get approved, but it was like they could tell that this hormone was higher in the kids whose parents had fought the night before that morning than in yeah. kids whose parents were um, in a harmonious state. Like it, re- it impacted their whole school day. Um, so I just, I mean, we know it, we all know it. Oh, we should have a good marriage. We should have a good marriage. But I felt like if y'all get this book, it's going to give you language and it's going to give you hope and it's going to kind of paint a picture of something really beautiful that can happen. And to see that the ugly parts are not like there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Like we all have ugly parts. So I just, thank you. Tell Rob, thank you. And thank you for just being vulnerable and real in this, um, you you don't overshare, but you definitely share the challenges and the hard times and the feelings. And that is really helpful. So great. Thank you, Heather. We just really appreciate that you put this book out. And that you Thank you. I love hearing you talk about it. <laughs> well, and that you made it not super long so we can so we can get this thing done faster. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not, it's not a perfection. It's a direction. I'm That's such a right. perfect perfect like I want it I want an A plus I want a Zimzum <laughs> A plus oh okay and so let us know when Zimzum of parenting comes out yes it's a it's a great conversation and maybe it'll be a book someday <laughs> <laughs> maybe it'll be a book yeah well I appreciate you being on here and sharing with us and um and I hope that marriages really I mean I know that was your goal but that this really improves marriages and that they can all reflect the love of God and his grace through them. So thank you so That's much. Right. Thank you. All right. Have a great day. All right. All the best to you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Before we sign off for this episode, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to a couple of gals who left reviews on the iTunes uh, podcast. Mom of four boys in Texas. And I promise that's not me leaving a review for my own podcast, but she left a review and I am glad to know that this podcast has helped you not feel alone and has reminded you that your home is your mission field. You are doing a good work. Keep it up. Okay, this next one cracks me up. Um, it's the dude maybe, but I think the dude is a lady. And she just said that um, she finds the podcast helps her when her focus gets off and that she's loving the interviews. Thanks, Thank you both of you for leaving a review and uh If you'd like to leave a review to help others find the podcast, because that is how iTunes works it. The more reviews, the more they pop this podcast up higher in the what's hot, what's new section. So if you want to leave a review, go to godcentermom.com forward slash review, and it gives you all the directions. Thanks so much. And I'll give you a shout out if you leave one. All right. Have a great day. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to godcenteredmom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. 
I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 317, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.